Yo, what's happening? All you Jonathan underscore Foster podcast participators. Is that what you are? (laughs) I would like you to be more than just listeners. So I'm going to call you participators. Thanks for being a part of what's happening here. So I'm in the middle of a few projects and I'm not really starting a new season of the podcast. But one of the things I have been doing is trying to ramp up my newsletter game. So I migrated my newsletter over to Substack. And some of you who've been a part of my newsletter for a while, you probably, you probably noticed that. And I've been doing it all from Substack, really enjoying that platform. Now, if you're on Patreon, you still get the same benefits. So whether it's Patreon or Substack, you're still going to get the weekly newsletter. But what this does is it allows me to invite certain ones of you, and you know who you are, who might want to give a few dollars a month to support my writing to go ahead and do that. And to be clear, when you sign up for the newsletter, you don't have to give anything. But if you do, you'll just get a few perks. (laughs) As if there are a lot of perks by being associated with me. Namely, right now, the perk is you just get more writing. So when I do write, which I try to do weekly on this publication, if you're paid, you'll get it every week. If not, you get it about every other week. Something like that. So I hope you jump on with that or jump in with that. Jump on or jump in. Hundreds of other people have. So I hope you'll join them. All right. So the easiest way to do that is just to go to JonathanFosterOnline.com. Click in the top right-hand side. That's the Patreon link. Or if you'd rather do Substack, just go right down there in the middle of the website. You'll see subscribe to my Substack publication. Okay. So this week's post is called A Comical Theology. It's about... Uh, some of my cartoon sketches and the things that I write. And I think it works here well on the podcast. So this is just a taste of the kinds of things you will read slash hear slash see on my newsletter. Peace, everyone. When I was a boy, yes, before the internet, before the endless television programming, before all the fun algorithmic mediated tribalism, that we all hold so near and dear to our heart, known as social media. Yes, way back in the last century, before all that, our entertainment options were, well, limited. Okay, to be accurate, there were quite a few options for ordinary people, but given that our household operated in strong alignment with a very specific Christian holiness tradition, we were unordinary people. Thusly, our options were limited. Whereas they had... And hold on here while I take a big breath. Cards, dancing, bowling, movies, roller skating, theater, swimming pools, dice, jazz, and rock and roll, not to mention recreational activities that came in the harder variety. We had the occasional TV show, a book mom picked up at a garage sale down the street, ping pong, some trees in the backyard, and the newspaper comics, of course, provided we didn't read them on a Sunday. My aim here is not to disparage the piety of our household. Despite the lockdown on extracurricular activities, the family environment was loving and it proved to be more positive than negative. I had little idea we were abnormal until much later. Meanwhile, I was just a kid going to church four times a week, drawing in the dirt with sticks, playing ping pong, staring at the ceiling, and oh yes, reading the comics. It's only decades later that I realized the interesting little role the comics may have played in the development of my small and impressionable mind. For within our fortress of legalistic purity, sorry, our home, 
one almost had no exposure to anything so disorderly, sarcastic, or subversive, except there they were, in the middle of the otherwise innocent newspaper, situated right alongside NBA box scores, self-help columns, and coupons to our grocery store, Hinky Dinky, FYI. It's my favorite name for a grocery store. The newspaper became a veritable Trojan horse, smuggling in the weekly mixed-up, sometimes funny, and often insurgent thinking by which the world of comics operates. I'm not talking about anything so obtuse and immoral as the kind of cartoons you could find in something like a mad magazine. Heavens no. First, something so obviously depraved would have never made it past the watchmen of our household. Second, even if it had, I found its crassness unappealing. On the rare occasion, I did see such a deviant periodical in the back corner of some second-hand trinket store while my mom picked over vintage dolls and glassware in the front. I would sink down and into musty orange bean bags, flip the pages, and find myself unimpressed by its lack of nuance. Yes, I'm sure if you would have happened upon me at age nine reading said magazine in an orange bean bag in the back of a stale thrift store, I would have casually tossed it aside and said, it lacks nuance. What had a more significant impact were the odd adventures of Ali Oop, the situational silliness of Sad Sack, and the laugh-out-loud sarcasm of my favorite comic strip, B.C. These comics and others did something for me, and I think did something to me. Namely, they subtly begin to open me up to subversive thinking. This is the second, not the last, time I used the word subversive. It is something of a linchpin in my story. For years and years later, after considerable reflection, I begin to realize and appreciate the subversiveness of love. Love. Love cannot be controlled. It isn't found in a manual or a textbook. It refuses to be lined out, demarcated, or contained. And if someone attempts to use love, it will morph into something that no longer resembles love. Love doesn't use. Love invites. It's quiet, shy, unlikely, small, and in places where it doesn't belong. Deep within an unwed teenage mother, soon to be despised by family and village. At the bottom of a cistern where a youngest brother lies bleeding and dying. In the tomb of a brown-skinned man murdered in a state-sponsored act of violence. Love is often camouflaged in darkness. It is this way because, contrary to what the religious people say, love isn't always welcome in the light, well, in their light, what is welcome is the system, the lines, the boundaries, the rules. But the rules have been fabricated. There are no more rules save one, the unruly rule of love. Love is the most interesting, compelling, malleable agent in the cosmos, which is to say, love is subversive. Not in an angry, scapegoating, self-centered way. Instead, in a passionate, humble, self-giving way. It might be the most unassuming agent in a life otherwise chock-full of pretentious and authoritative agents, but it will never fail you. If you have a choice between the job and love, go with love. If you have a choice between the church and love, go with love. And if you're asked to choose between God and love, go with love. It might get you kicked out, shunned, thrown away, crucified even, but love will come through in the end and in the end that comes after that.
I imagine that faith and hope will be there too, but the most enduring of all, it's love. Yeah, strike up the band. There's something to celebrate here. If love's capable of finding us in the midst of comics and legalism, tombs and endings, then the world still has a chance. I doubt you feel such hope when you see my comic sketches. I doubt you even think they're that funny. My wife, upon looking at one of the sketches, said once, Do you expect people to laugh? (laughs) Well, I don't know what my expectations are, but I do hope you sense the subversiveness. And in some small way, I do hope it reminds you of love.